Okay. We are doing now Friday's portion of Kaira. It's a longer section, so I will read all the verses, but I will not do all the Rashi's for us to be able to have an overview of the whole section. I'm going to just do selected Rashi's. So this is, if you remember what happened yesterday, after the whole rebellion led by Kaira, which was questioning the authenticity of Aaron as a high priest, the God to stop the complaints of the Jews, who afterwards were, even after Kaira was very vividly uh, killed by God and shown the wrongness of his approach, but still the Jews were, oh, you're killing the people of God, and there was a whole rebellion, which still continued, a lot of negative energy. So to still it all, to affirm Aaron's position, God makes this miracle with a staff, that Aaron's staff, unlike all the others, the other princes, budded and blossomed, blossomed and budded, and the almonds came forth to show that he truly is chosen by God. Now we're continuing, and God said to Moses, turn the staff of Aaron to where it had been before the testimony of the safekeeping, the sign for rebellious ones, and put an end to their complaining from me that they shall not die. So Rashi explains that the safekeeping as a sign, as a remembrance, that I chose Aaron as the priest, they shouldn't complain over the priesthood. This staff was put in the ark. Meaning, this staff stayed with, there were a few things. We also have a flask of the manna, the man food. So there was a flask of the man that was gathered, and the staff of Aaron, with its buds and its blossoms and its almonds, lasted for over a thousand years either in the ark or a shelf next to the ark, exactly where the flask of mun was put, as a constant reminder, God chose this family to serve him. Moses did as God had commanded, so he did. The children of Israel said to Moses, saying, Behold, we perish, we are lost, all of us are lost. Everyone who approaches closer to the tabernacle of God will die. Are we doomed to perish? So Rashi explains that what the Jews were saying is, how could we be careful enough? All of us can enter the courtyard of the tent of meeting. And then someone who walks a little too close, suddenly he's going to die. So we're, we're, we've all been cast to death. We're all going to die here. So in other words, what the Jews were saying was, all right, we get that Aaron's chosen. We get that we're not. But it's such a, a tenuous line of difference of you can walk this far, but you can't walk this far. We're going to all be messed up. So in response to this, God says to Aaron, you, your sons, and your father's house with you shall bear the iniquity of the sanctuary. And you and your sons with you shall bear the iniquity of your priesthood. So what what does this mean? What's the iniquity of the priesthood? So God is saying to Moses to tell Aaron that they should take precautions regarding the Jews' well-being so that the Jews shouldn't enter the sanctuary. In other words, this is in response to what the Jews said. The Jews said, we're going to die. So God is giving a message to Aaron, you and your, your children, the priests, it's incumbent on you to make sure that they don't do this. As Rosh explained, shall bear the iniquity of the sanctified. I'm placing on you the punishment of the non-priests who will sin in matters concerning the sacred things that were given over to you to care for, meaning the tent, the ark, the table, the implements of the holy. So Moses is telling the priests and the people of Kahas, you have to warn every alien, alien meaning someone who's not a priest, if we sure can't have anything to do with this, 
and not from Kahas because the children of Kahas were supposed to carry them. Anyone else cannot touch these articles. If they do, they will die. So truly the Jews are saying we're scared and God is responding and saying you've got a legitimate point and I'm warning the priests that they should make sure you guys don't get too close. On the word shall bear the iniquity of your priest, Adrashi says that this injunction wasn't given over to the Levites and just as the Jews can only walk so far and not further, and you have to make sure they don't go further, also with the Levites, they can go so far and not further. They can touch certain things, but not other things. Of course, different ones from different families have different things they're supposed to be touching. So you priests, it's your responsibility to make sure everyone else is doing what they're supposed to be doing. Also, your brethren of the tribe of Levi, Levi, tribe of your father, shall you draw near with you, and they shall be joined to you and minister to you. You and your sons with you, shall be before the tent of testimony. They shall safeguard your charge and the charge of the entire tent, but to the holy vessel and to the altar they shall not approach, and they not die, they as well as you. They shall be joined to you and safeguard. This is all what the Levites are supposed to be doing to help the priest. They shall be joined to you and safeguard the charge of the tent of meeting for the entire service of the tent, and an alien shall not approach you. So who is this alien we're talking about? We're saying we're warning the Jews, the priests, that they should make sure not to let an alien, an alien would mean someone who it's not their job. So in terms of the jobs of the priests, the Levites are the aliens we're concerned with because they're close. They also work in the temple. They could more easily step where they shouldn't be. They're the alien. Of course, if we're talking about things outside the temple proper, maybe it's the common Jewish person who wants to be, has a desire to be like the priest, and therefore he's going to only take charge of what he has to take charge of and not go beyond is, of course, each time the person with the higher power also assuming has a broadness and responsibility to take charge for everyone else who doesn't have his jurisdiction. You shall safeguard the charge of the holy and the charge of the altar, and there shall be no more wrath against the children of Israel. And I, behold, I have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. To you they are given as a gift to God to perform the service of the tent of meeting. Now again, this is all Aaron is being told. So on one hand, he's being warned to make sure the Levites don't overstep their bounds because it's even easier for them to overstep their bounds than the, than the regular Israelites because they are really working in the temple, but they still have very clearly defined bounds. At the same time, God is saying they're really a gift to you. So this, this, they are the gift to help you in your service. They're the gift. As Rosh has in section in the next verse, you and your sons with you shall safeguard your priesthood regarding every matter of the altar and within the curtain, and you shall serve. I have presented your priesthood as a service that is a gift. An alien who approaches shall die. So we're saying here it's a service that's a gift. I've given it to you as a gift, not meaning a service for a gift, but a service that's a gift. And this, is, this phrase actually, Hasidic thought, focuses on this idea of the special gift that sometimes we can have a relationship with God, a tremendous love for God. Priests symbolize love God. The Levites symbolize fearing God. And true love for God that we feel in this world, the pleasure of our love for God, like the souls will feel above. 
the heavenly abode is a gift. This world is a world to work, and we work, and we love God. We don't really feel the enjoyment and the pleasure as much in God's presence, but some people do feel it. And you know what? That's the gift. The rest of us are workers, but some people get the gift. Okay, so that was that section. So first we had the idea of affirming Aaron's and the family's choice from God as a priest. And then we have the Jews' fears, and now we responded to the Jews' fears by telling Aaron that they have the responsibility to make sure the Jews stay safe and Levites stay safe and don't go where they're not supposed to go. And now, for the rest of this section, God spoke to Aaron, and I, behold, they have been giving you the safeguard of my offerings, while the sanctities of the children of Israel I have given them to you for distinction and to your sons as an eternal portion. So this is introducing the rest of the section that we're going to be doing today, which is all of these presents, says that there are 24 presents that God gives the priest. And now we're being told about them. So Rashi says that this verse is really opening up the whole section, and this Rashi is really explaining the whole section, that why do we have this section here? Why, if we were talking about the laws of the priests and the gifts of the priests, should have been in the previous book, Leviticus. That's where we speak about all the laws of the priests. That's what we read about these 24 gifts. Why are we reading about them here? Because, yes, God always gave them this gift. But since there was no controversy, they didn't have to be like officially stamped, so to speak. But now that there was this controversy regarding the priesthood, what Aaron has as a special distinction different from others, which we know means it's something very very special, very extremely special, is being passed on. So, in that situation, we are now saying that Aaron, we're giving you these special gifts, but now we're officially writing them down because, so giving the parable, that if there was a, a, a king who gave a field to a close friend, then they didn't write anything officially down. Two friends. But if someone came and protested and said it's his field, all right, well, he's got to go to the porch, to, to the court about this. So the king says to his friends, you know, I, I don't even have the court paperwork with me. But, I, yeah, whatever, I'll wing it. No, 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 no. We're doing this very officially. Court paperwork, so to speak, is all of these pages, meaning all of these gifts, 24 of them, that are associated with the priesthood is being given in the fashion of talent of salt. So that idea means that we have here this eternal relationship of God to the priestly family. And Rashi points out that the opening words here says, and behold, and behold is an expression of joy. So God here is so joyous that he's going to officially, you know, like in court, so to speak, confirm and affirm that Aaron is a priest and all of these amazing gifts are his in order to help the Jews. Of course, we know that that there's always 
this concept here of a special relationship with God. But here we're reading it. We're dealing with all these priestly gifts, all of which he had previously not affirmed in the same way as like, yes, this is for me as Levites. It's more like, yeah, you know, I I have to hang out. Um, but it doesn't have to be official. So God is saying, well, you know what? Until now, it didn't have to be official. We were just like friends. I just like chose you to serve me. But now that there's a conflict over it, it has to be official. So I'm officially giving you here the 24 gifts of priesthood. So now we're going to read it. This shall be yours from the most holy, from the fire. Their every offering, their every meal offering, their every sin offering, their every guilt offering, which they return to me, is most holy, shall be yours and your son. And most holy, you shall eat it. So these are very holy offerings that they have to eat in a very holy place. Every male may eat it. It shall be holy for you. And this shall be yours, what is set aside from the gifts, while the wavings of the children of Israel have given them to you and to your sons and to your daughters with you as an eternal portion. All who are pure in your household may eat it. So Rashi says this phrase on one hand comes to exclude and on one hand comes to include. When it says all who are pure, it excludes the impure. The impure can't eat it. When it says all, the word all includes, so it includes the priest's wife, even though she might not have been born a priest, and she's a woman, but she is considered part of his household. She's the all of his household, so she is able to eat it as well. All the best of your oil and the best of your wine and grain, their first which they give to God, to you have I given them. The first fruits of everything that is in their land, which they brought to God, Tell it yours, and every pure person in your household will eat it. Very segregated Jew. In, sorry, that was not fair. Every segregated property in Israel shall be yours. Every first issue of a womb of any flesh that they offer to God, whether of man or animal, shall be yours. That's what we redeem the firstborn. But you shall surely redeem the firstborn. And the firstborn of impure animals shall you redeem. And those that are to be redeemed from one month shall you redeem according to the valuation, five silver coins, shkalim, by the sacred shekel, it is 20 gera. I'm saying we still do this. Of course, there's a ceremony of redeeming the firstborn where we truly, exactly as this biblical verse does, give five coins, five silver dollars, to the priest to redeem back our son when he's one month old, exactly as the verse says. But the firstborn of an ox or the firstborn of a sheep or the firstborn of a goat you shall not redeem. They are holy, their blood shall you throw upon the altar, and their fat shall you cause to go up in smoke, a fire offering, a pleasing fragrance to God. Flesh shall be yours like the breast of waving and like the right leg. It shall be yours. Everything that is set aside for the sanctity that the children of Israel set aside to God have I given to you and to your sons and to your daughters, with you as an eternal portion, is an eternal covenant of salt before God for you and for your offspring with you. Josh explains that, it's, first of all, we see something very interesting. This verse that I'm reading now is concluding the 
the 24 priestly blessings. So we had one opening verse that sort of introduced them. Then we just enumerated 24 gifts. And now we have a concluding verse that concludes them. So why do we open up with a comprehensive statement, then give all the details, and then close with another comprehensive statement? The Rashi says, because this is so precious to God. Remember, the Rashi opened up this section of the 24 verses. We spoke of how this is so precious to God. He's doing this with joy because he wants to say, yes, I'm affirming and confirming in writing. It's official. I love the priests. I chose them. I'm giving them all these gifts. So now similarly, because it's such a precious passage to God, there is this general statement not only at the beginning, but also at the end. Now this covenant that God is making with the priest, he compares to a covenant of salt. It's very interesting. It's a very interesting phrase because 16 times in the scriptures, it speaks of an eternal covenant in various situations of God's covenant with the Jewish people. But the only time it compares the covenant to salt is in this situation. So Rashi is explaining why we're comparing this covenant between God and the priest to salt. First of all, salt is something which is healthy, which doesn't spoil. It's lasting and which makes others healthy. In other words, salt not only does not spoil, but if you put salt in things, it preserves from other things spoiling. Obviously, we have refrigeration and freezers, but in the olden days, they would salt things to preserve them. Obviously, we know that even meat, they didn't have a fridge. How do they keep the meat from, from spoiling? They would dry it and salt it. So salting was used to preserve, which means make other things healthy. So Rosh is explaining that this idea of comparing the covenant to salt means not only is the covenant everlasting, is salt everlasting, that the priest has the power to help preserve the lives of others. Covenant of salt. Now here in the second explanation, Rashi, in the first explanation, Rashi was saying it's called by something that doesn't spoil and is lasting and makes others healthy. In the second explanation of a covenant of salt, it's saying like the covenant that God made with the salt, that God made a covenant, in other words, the first Time, it's sort of implying a covenant, comparing it to the qualities of salt. And now in the second explanation, we're comparing it to the covenant God made with the salt. Not that God made in which he uses salt, but that God made with the salt that he made a special covenant with them that they don't spoil. But so too, this covenant between the priests and God is something that's never going to spoil. God said to Aaron, in their land you shall not have a heritage. You shall not have a share among them. I am your share in your heritage among the children of Israel. So you don't have a share in the land, besides the special cities for the priests. You're not even going to have a share in the spoils of war, as Rashi explained, but your portion is God.